Hello. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I'm Christina, and obviously I'm not Steve, I'm not Pastor Priscilla. As they mentioned before, they are traveling. Um, they'll be back on Tuesday. Um, and they asked me to speak, and I just always jump at the chance at the privilege and the honor of just being able to serve and just to share what, you know, I feel like God's doing in my life and just the word um, for the season that's in my life. And I hope that it's encouraging for you guys as well. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, and what I'm calling this um, message today is contending for your breakthrough. So have you guys ever been in a season of your life where things just felt off, <laughs> where you just couldn't put your finger on it, but just things don't feel right. Like the season of victory that you were literally just in now seems to have faded away into like mere memory. You might feel restless in your soul. You might feel agitated. Um, you might feel like things are falling apart or maybe things really are falling apart or you're just feeling lost. In that moment, when those things happen, because we're human, right? And life has its ups and downs, it's good and it's bad. In that moment, when we're surrounded and feeling restless and agitated and things don't seem to be going right, we make a decision. Whether we're conscious of it or not, we make a decision. And either we partner with the negativity, we partner with that restlessness, with that sadness or that agitation, or we decide to be intentional. And we intentionally are aware of the change and the shift in the at atmosphere or in our mood, but we intentionally decide to partner with the truth of God's word and the truth of God's character, right? Your perspective of God your perspective of who he is to you and of his character is brought to light when we go through hard times. If you view God as someone who is waiting for you to fall, who's kind of like a dictator waiting to call you out on your faults, then the, that's the mindset that you're going to go through your struggle, that you're going to go through your battle. And that might include extra condemnation and added guilt. If you view God as distant and aloof, somebody who's detached, who doesn't really care all of that much, you're going to struggle with loneliness and bitterness and resentment right? Because you're going to feel all alone. If your view of God is, so is someone who's unmerciful, who expects perfection, then in your struggle, it's going to include striving, extra fatigue, and anxiety. But if your view of God is one who's a merciful, loving, trustworthy savior, then you're armed yourself in your battle to contend for your breakthrough with peace, comfort, and hope. Your perspective of God and his character will either hinder you or help you as you contend for your breakthrough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again because I need to hear that for myself. <laughs> my perspective of God and my perspective of his character is either going to hinder me or help me as I contend for my breakthrough. Every hard time that we go through, every challenge that we face, it unveils who we believe God to be in our lives. Is Jesus truly our Savior? Do we trust him to carry us through those challenging times? Do we believe that God has a purpose for everything that we go through? And do we believe that that purpose and that plan is good? So if you've been in church a while, then you know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? This is like a super common verse. We even know where the placement is in the Bible. <laughs> so Jeremiah 29, 11, God is speaking and he says, I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you and not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. It's encouraging. I think we know this. This is one of the first verses that we learn. We quote this to ourselves when the future seems uncertain, when we're not sure of what's going on. But let's read it in context, because I think in context, it's even more encouraging. So starting in verse 10, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, 
I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. When you call on me, when you come to me and pray, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So God spoke those reassuring words, that idea of hope and goodness and plans in the, during a time when the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. So during that time, the king of Babylon had conquered their country, had taken all of the people, including all of the people in power, had displaced them, brought them into a foreign land, taken, them, taken all of their property, all of their possessions. These people had no rights. They were living among a different culture, a different language. It's, you know, it's like I'm thinking nothing against China, <laughs> but I'm just thinking <laughs> of like a powerful country. So it's like if China all of a sudden floods our soil, overthrows the government, establishes communist rule, and ships a bunch of us over to China as prisoners. That's essentially what was going on in this situation. At that time, the Babylonian king and that empire, history tells us it was a super powerful empire of that time. Um, so those were the circumstances under which God is speaking these reassuring words and under which he's reassuring his people. In the midst of the struggle, when the future looked bleak, because that Babylonian empire was not diminishing in power at, at, at any time, um, God was encouraging his people not to lose hope. He was reminding them that he was still with them, that he wasn't going to leave them, even if they felt alone, um, and to contend for their breakthrough, that he would be there, that there was a purpose to their suffering, that there was a, a purpose to their contention. God is never taken by surprise. We are. I am all the time. <laughs> right? God doesn't abandon us to our struggle, although it may feel sometimes like we're all alone, like nobody understands, like we're alone um, out there in this struggle. But God doesn't abandon us. And if you've known me long enough, then you know I like to talk a lot about feelings, being a therapist. During these times of contention, our feelings are often in direct contradiction to the reality of what we feel going around us. Right? Our feelings and our emotions, they're valuable. However, they're not always true. They're not always reliable. So that's how we, we need to know the word of God. We need to be able to stand. That's not really what I was saying. <laughs> um, on the word of God. And remember, Numbers 23, 19 also reminds us that God is not a man that he would lie. So those words spoken to Jeremiah, spoken to us, do you believe them to be true, that God has a plan and a hope and that it's good for us? You know the disciples, Jesus and his disciples. The disciples were in the boat with Jesus when they became panicked about a huge storm that they suddenly found themselves in. And I just want to encourage you guys, it doesn't matter how long or how short you've been walking with Jesus or that you've been a believer. It doesn't matter how deep or how shallow your faith is in this moment. We all find ourselves in a panic mode at one point or another, even while we're walking with Jesus. So we're going to read the passage, Mark 4, 35 through 41. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from shore with him as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. And all at once, 
the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe, and they said to one another, Who is this man that has such authority that even the winds and the waves obey him? So this is the story that I want to bring to your attention. Many of these disciples, they were experienced fishermen. Right? If we know about their lives, this is what they did for a living. This is the profession in which the Bible introduces us to them. So I would have to imagine that they'd faced rough waters before, that they knew how to handle storms, that they knew you know, how to get their boat safely to the other side. But I would also have to imagine that the storm that arose was probably something out of the ordinary, that it would cause them to be so fearful in this situation. Right? I have to believe that they did all that they possibly could know to do to try to get through before they woke Jesus and before they realized that their boat was sinking and they couldn't handle it. Right? I know when things start to get rough in my life, when things start to get a little turbulent, like I'm quickly assessing, I'm trying to look what are the problems. I'm problem solving. That's the mode that I go into because I want to make things better and fast. Right? And I think that's a human thing. Right? We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to be in pain. We're like masters of the quick fix and just trying to get relief. So the disciples, I would imagine, initially probably felt confident um, that they were able to handle sailing to the other side until they weren't. (laughs) And there are times during the struggle where the things that we've relied on, I don't know about you, but the things that I've relied on to get me through those rough times or kind of like, you know, the sad mood or whatever it is, they don't seem to work. So I go back and I, you know, and I work harder, right? That's, that's my MO. I'll try to work harder. So maybe I'll like, you know, listen to a bunch of more worship songs and really try to get myself into like the presence of God. Or I'll call somebody to have a heart to heart and just kind of share like what I'm going through in the moment, trying to get encouragement. You know, maybe I'll fast, maybe a meal, even two, if I'm really serious, you know, and like nothing is working. I'm going to try everything that I can. I'm going to get rest. I'm going to assess my nutrition. I'm going to do everything to figure out, is there a way for me to problem solve and get my breakthrough? How do I get myself from being uncomfortable or get myself through this struggle? But what do you do when all of those things, maybe they bring you some comfort, maybe they bring a little bit of relief, but what do you do when you do all of those things and the breakthrough still doesn't come? You panic. So I'll be even more transparent with you, (laughs) as this is the word for my life this season. But some of you may know, so my family, we recently contended um, with some really disheartening news, actually. About three years ago, my father, newly retired, was diagnosed with early onset of dementia. So, I mean, talk about disheartening. We got this horrible report. It's a hopeless diagnosis. There's no treatment. He was super young. We didn't have a history of it in our family. Didn't know why, you know, that it was, that it happened. However, as of the spring, so about, it was about two and a half years that we dealt with this, God miraculously healed my dad. The doctors cannot explain it. The doctors have given him a clean bill of health. They have like PET scans to compare. Yeah. I mean, God does miracles, you guys. It's 2018. God does miracles. The the doctors who are not believers have verified, basically, they can't explain why his brain looked one way and was functioning one way and now looks completely different. And since the spring, that man, he's back to normal. He's so back to normal. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. So if you're waiting and holding out for something that seems super impossible, like hold out. God did a miracle for us. We're not special. He will do the miracle for you. So this is what we were, my family and I were contending with uh, in the last three years. And throughout that entire season, I never panicked. 
It's not that it wasn't a hard season to go through, but I just had the faith and the grace to believe that God was going to get us through regardless of what the outcome, you know, was going to be. Soon after my dad gets healed, I end up getting a promotion that was unexpected. Like I get, you know, more responsibility, bigger title, you know, more money. Like life was looking good. I was like, okay, this is amazing, you know. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) I can't tell you how or when or why, but something just changed. And I I still can't tell you. (laughs) Something just changed and things just felt off. Outwardly, things were fine, you know, but emotionally and spiritually, I just didn't feel like myself. I was confused. I was restless. I was caught off guard because I was trying to figure out what this was all about when everything seemed to be going so well. I was under immense pressure at work like never before, you know, in my life, even though I'm being praised for doing a good job. Um, And I really felt like the disciples, except I wasn't in the boat. I was in the water, (laughs) like treading water, just trying to stay afloat, just trying to breathe and catch my breath. I was exhausted. I was emotional. I was frustrated. I couldn't articulate, you know, why I was feeling what I was feeling. During this time, I was tempted to isolate. Right? I just wanted to pull back from everyone and everything. And let me just expose a lie. (laughs) So realize that when you're contending for the breakthrough, the enemy is going to tempt you to isolate in order to bombard you with lies to keep you from your breakthrough. Right? Isolation is designed to keep us in confusion, to keep us drenched in depression, to saturate us in self-pity, and to keep us from the very people that are designed to help us contend. Right? We are not designed to contend alone for our breakthrough. And there are times where you do need to pull back. Right? Jesus did it all the time. He pulled back from his disciples, from the crowds, to go have alone time to pray and to seek God. And I did that. But isolating and pulling back are different. Right? I know I needed to pull back, but I did it with the clear intention of letting friends and people that I trusted knew they knew what I was doing in that moment. They also made sure that I didn't isolate myself. And I also made sure that I you know, continued to communicate with them and just check in, even if I couldn't, again, articulate what was going on or why, but it was just about checking in and not isolating. And again, I'm a therapist. I did everything I knew to therapize myself, right? <laughs> Some of it brings relief but it still didn't give me that breakthrough. Because sometimes man-made wisdom and our man-made methods can only get us so far, right? So Psalms 33 says, even if a king has the best equipped army, it would never be enough to save him. Even if the best warrior went to battle, he could not be saved simply by his strength alone. Human strength and the weapons of man are false hopes for victory. They may seem mighty, but they will always disappoint. So you guys, only Jesus, (laughs) only Jesus, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, God's word can give us the breakthrough when what we're facing is a spiritual battle. And I just want to clarify because technically we're all facing battles that are spiritual in some aspect, right? We have a real enemy that operates on a spiritual plane whose mission in life is just to take out the God followers. However, I think most of the battles that we face often are soul issues. Right? And those have to do with faulty thinking patterns, not knowing the truth of who God is, of who God says we are, of the authority we have as children of God, or these battles are, are as a result of sin issues in our life that we continue to deal with and become refined with as we continue to grow in God. It's important to have discernment, to talk to people, to talk to other Christians, to figure out if what you're facing is spiritual in origin or a soul issue. You guys, we don't want to be fighting our battles and fighting for breakthrough with the wrong weapons, 
So back to our disciples. They're panicked in the boat. They're shaking Jesus awake. They're scared for their lives, right? Because everything that they know to do is not working. They don't know how to handle this storm. So Jesus wakes up and with two phrases, hush and calm down, it says all at once, everything stopped. The wind stopped. The sea is like glass. Jesus turns to his disciples and he wasn't awake that they woke him up, right? I would be. (laughs) I like my sleep. (laughs) But that's not why he was upset. Right. He's upset. I think like, of course, they would turn to him. Right. We, we have to turn to Jesus. Of course, they would turn to him in their moment of need when they were fearing for their lives. Of course, he would be the one to turn to. However, I think he might have been upset because they turned to him and they were operating out of fear and unbelief. Right. It was the attitude with which they woke him up and questioned him. Don't you care that we're about to die? He questions them. Right after all of the miracles, you guys, the disciples had been walking with Jesus by this point for a while. They had seen what he was doing. So after all of the miracles that he's done in front of them, after all that he's done to change their lives and the lives of the people around them, they didn't trust that they weren't going to die. They didn't trust that because Jesus was in the boat, they could make it safely to the other side. And I think that's why Jesus asked them, haven't you learned to trust yet? Have you lost your faith in me? Do you not remember who it is that's in the boat with you right now? And do you know at the beginning of that story, it was Jesus's idea. They were in that boat because Jesus said, let's go to the other side. It was Jesus's idea that they all climb into the boats and go to the other side. The all of a sudden in life, again, they're only unexpected to us, right? I think that phrase, all of a sudden, suddenly, out of nowhere, it just highlights the human limitation that we have of our lives, of the future, of just the world. Right, but God is omniscient. God knows all things. If we believe what He said through Jeremiah, then God knows the future that He has planned for us, and it's good. So God tells us and prepares us for the fact that there will be struggles in our lives. That doesn't mean that His plan for us isn't good. It's just a reflection of the fact that we live in a fallen world, right? And we live among hurt people. So I'm going to blast through these scriptures real quick (laughs) just as a reminder that the bible reminds us you know that we're going to go through hard times so peter literally tells us dear friends don't be surprised don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you (laughs) james tells us when troubles come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And Paul reminds us in Romans, even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures, all of the pressures that we feel, will develop in us patient endurance. Jesus wasn't upset that the disciples couldn't figure out how to handle the storm. He wasn't upset about that. He was upset because they didn't trust that he had their back and that with the word he could bring a stop to the storm. The minute we have that all of a sudden moment, we have to remember not to be surprised, right? We have to remember that Jesus is in control. I had just come out of a season where I had seen my father miraculously healed, and then my internal world seems to have collapsed on me. You know, why? I lost perspective. I lost perspective of God and what he's capable of doing. I forgot all of those scriptures that I just made you guys read. You know, I forgot. (laughs) Interestingly, I thought this was so fascinating. So following that story of the storm, 
And when Jesus and the disciples, they land on, on shore to where they were going, they are immediately confronted by a demon-possessed man. And the Bible describes that this man may have had up to like 6,000 demons, you know, in him. And that man, this man lived in a cemetery, apparently like terrorized, you know, the town that he was in, would self-harm and hurt himself with stones. Like he was pretty uncontrollable. Um, that's who they encounter the minute they get to the other side. And guess what? In that moment, Jesus sets them free. That once demon-possessed man now asks to go with Jesus and wants to get in the boat with him. And Jesus tells him no. Instead, Jesus tells him to go tell his story, to go tell of what God has done to all of the people in his region. Because all of the people now are in awe and they are amazed because they knew this man. They didn't know how to deal with him. you know. And he is now in his right mind. He is sane. He's at peace. And not only does that man go and preach and tell, essentially give his testimony as to what God has done in that area, the Bible says he goes on to preach in what was called the Ten Cities that were these Greek and Roman cultural centers of that time. So you have to imagine then that that man was able to preach the gospel and just talk about what Jesus has done and the fact that Jesus set him free to all of these other people and in all of these other regions. And then the Bible says that Jesus and the disciples get back in the boat and they leave. (laughs) That is all that is done there. That was the reason, right, why they had to sail to the other side. Sometimes that storm that you're contending with, it's not your own doing, meaning we're not dealing with a sin issue. But sometimes it's a storm that originates in the spiritual realm. If you study that passage, it's thought that the storm that suddenly appeared was thought to be demonic in nature, was thought to be started in the spiritual realm because of where uh, Jesus was going and because of the work that was going to be done on the other side. Sometimes when we're contending, it's not only just about us, right? Sometimes we, we can't give up. We can't, li- we can't become hopeless because that spiritual victory, not only can it mean freedom for us, but it can mean freedom for another person. Had they not gotten to the other side, that man would have never been set free. You know, those other people would have never known what God can do, would never have been introduced perhaps to Jesus and to the good news. So contending can also mean advancement of the kingdom of God in ways that we never could have done or imagined on our own. So how do we contend? Psalm 33, King David uh, writes this psalm, and if you know about King David, he was called like the warrior king, right? Lots of battles, uh, very strategic in how he went about conquering lands, and he was also a poet, you know, and basically a (laughs) singer-songwriter. He was. So he talks about contending in Psalms 33. He says, human strength and the weapons of man are false hopes for victory. They may seem mighty, but they will always disappoint. The eyes of the Lord are upon even the weakest worshipers who love him. Those who wait in hope and expectation for the strong, steady love of God. God will deliver them from death, even the certain death of famine with no one to help. The Lord alone is our radiant hope, and we trust in him with all our heart. His wraparound presence will strengthen us. I just love how David writes that the eyes of the Lord are even on the weakest worshipers. Because as we contend for breakthrough, I mean, you're going to feel weak. I felt weak. You're going to get tired. You're going to be tempted to give up. you know, to align with just the negativity because sometimes it just feels like it's sapping all of your energy just to continue to contend. But just because you feel weak does not mean that you have disqualified yourself from the race or from the love of God, right? First of all, we can never disqualify ourselves from God's love. 
God sent his son Jesus to die, and Jesus willingly died on the cross before we ever chose to yield our lives to him. So that love is unconditional towards us always. But be aware that in your weakness, your tiredness, and your fatigue, again, the enemy is going to come and tempt you. And you know what? Sometimes those old ways of coping, right, the things that you used to turn to for comfort in the past that used to work, they're going to start to look appealing again. But Paul admonishes us in Hebrews 12. He tells us uh, to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us and to fix our focus on Jesus. How do we keep our focus on Jesus? That psalm tells us we wait, we hope, and we trust in Jesus to deliver us. Right? The posture in the psalms, in all of the psalms really, is for the God follower to worship, to wait, and to expect that God's nature of dependability, goodness, and strength is able to break through any distressing situation that we may find ourselves in. I mean, that situation described in that psalm was bleak. It says, God will deliver them from death, even the certain death of famine with no one to help. He's describing a situation that's certain death and that there's no, nothing anyone can do, you know, but he's saying that even when death seems imminent, even when the doctor's report seems inevitable, when there appears to be no hope, God will deliver those who wait in hope and expectation for him. The psalm reminds us that the best place to wait is in God's presence. And again, we talked about how the enemy will tempt you to isolate or to try and distract you so that you can wait in a different, wait alone, right? Away from your friends, away from your uh, fellow believers. Or he may tempt you to believe the lie that you have to be perfect, that your struggle has disqualified you, that you have to have it all together before you can even enter into his presence and ask him for anything and ask him for help. But that's a lie. These are all lies designed to keep you from God's presence, right? And if we're not in God's presence, then again, we're more likely to align ourselves with the negativity and we're just going to be that much further away from our breakthrough. God's presence is vital, right? It's transformative. It renews our strength. It helps us to keep hoping and to keep contending. The light and the truth of his presence also just illuminates and brings light to any lies that we may be operating under. Chief Joe, if you can come. So we're going to read in Psalms 42. And this is, I think, a perfect snapshot of what contending in the presence of God is like. Again, this is the psalmist talking to himself. This reminded me, you guys know Pastor Priscilla is always talking in praise and worship about how we sing not to remind God of who he is, but we sing to remind ourselves and to encourage our souls and to stir up our own faith so that we come into agreement, so that we come into alignment with truth, right, and remind ourselves of who God is. So Psalm 42. So I speak over my heartbroken soul. Take courage. So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior. For no matter what, I will still sing with praise. For living before his face is my saving grace. Here I am depressed and downcast, yet I will still remember you as I ponder the place where your glory streams down. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love, So I say to my soul, don't be discouraged, don't be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. This is somebody who's professing truth. They're not there yet. It doesn't say I have broken through. 
It's saying, I will break through. It's reminding yourself of the truth of God's goodness and what God can do, even when we're not feeling that way. We have to bring the struggle before God, pouring out the good, (laughs) the bad, and the ugly in his presence and reminding ourselves of God's character and his word. You guys, this is me contending before you, bringing the word of God's truth, even when I haven't fully gotten my breakthrough yet, right? But we contend. It says, just because I haven't gotten my breakthrough does not change God's character, and it does not change the truth of God's word and the fact that he will do what he says he's going to do, which is deliverance, right? I believe that the plan for each and every one of us for this church is good, that it's been written before we ever even all came together. We have to continue to contend. I want you guys to close your eyes, and I'm going to read one more psalm over you guys before we pray. And I want you to just listen again to this psalmist just pouring out his heart before God. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his, and joy will come. When I had nothing, desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it the most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and grow hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good things.